It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'm anxious to get back and talk to all of you. Uh, 1-866-408-7669, the number to call. Hope you had a sensational weekend. We're back in action. You're probably tracking what's happening around the country and around the world. We're going to have Eli Lake with us today from Bloomberg, columnist over there. He's been covering all this Middle East foreign policy, great war correspondent, great contacts uh, internationally. And he's just going to talk about why Hamas started this whole thing and what they plan on getting out of it, if anything. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Israel has made it clear that they need a few more days here. You look at Prime Minister Netanyahu's interview with John Dickerson yesterday on Face the Nation. I mean, they're making it clear that they are degrading Hamas's military capabilities and they need to keep working at it. So I think we're still probably at least a few days away. Yeah, we'll see a few days away. Uh, That is Dan Sinor, week two with the latest lethal Hamas-Israeli conflict. And this should be all about Israel taking out Hamas leaders and their weaponry. But most of the media are, are critical of You guessed it, Israel. Now even President Biden, to keep his pro-Palestinian radical left in check, is going to be very, very tough. And an important Middle Middle East ally, we thought we'd get the coverage and the support, but not from this Democratic Party. Number two. My Republican supporters do not ask me about Trump. They don't ask me about what he said. They're not riled up about it. You know what they're asking about? What are we doing about over a quarter million illegal crossings on our border? What about my inflation? What about my savings that are now less valuable because of rising inflation because we're spending money that we don't have? Exactly. Dan Crenshaw asked out to go and meet the press. He's befuddled about the tone and the subject matter. Democratic Democratic Liz Cheney obsession. It's unbelievable. I have news for you. Nobody cares. The party is raising money, capitalizing on the momentum from the Biden blunders and on track to take back the House and maybe even the Senate. Look out. Number one. The CDC announced that fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks or socially distance, except if you go to most places. <laughs> it's true. I hate to tell you. Uh, take it off and stop asking why you can take it off. That's my advice to the media and some Americans who refuse to take off their masks. Craziest thing ever in the pandemic. Outside, when they told us to shut it down, everything go home don't work if you have to work find a way to do it at your own risk you know be the essential worker at the supermarket in a hospital or in our jobs perhaps so we did we kept working so we had to do it we all found different ways but now that the vaccine is out it's been distributed to such a great length everybody listening to me right now who wants a vaccine can get it or is lined up to get it keep wearing a mask until you get it the numbers are so staggeringly good and positive the CDC came out and said, listen, you don't have to wear it anymore, indoors and outdoors. If you are vaccinated, you got to wear it. Everyone just freaked out. I mean, I can't even believe it. Anthony Fauci just said it. Dr. Rochelle Walensky finally said it, what we knew. The stats show you can take off the mask. Cut three. First, let's just acknowledge um, where we are in this pivotal moment in this pandemic. For 16 months, we've been telling people, be cautious, be careful. Cases are going up. Deaths are still very high. And for this very moment, we have cases coming down. They're down a third in the last two weeks. Death rates that have never been as low since April of 2020. Things in this pandemic are starting to turn around. And what's also happening is we're getting data, evolving data, on the science. 
evidence. Just last Thursday, we, there were two papers that were published in the New England Journal. And then just Friday, this past Friday, um, there was a large study that was published in the MMWR. And so taking all of these data together, we've been working really actively just this whole last week um, to try and move the science, move the data to the American people and tell people, um, deliver the science to them. The only thing I want to emphasize you, let's keep it really simple. If you have the vaccine, vaccinated, you waited the two weeks after the second dose of J&J1, you can't spread it, almost impossible to spread it, can't get it. If you do get it, the symptoms are so mild, don't worry about it. Walk right through it. If you're a kid, wearing a mask, getting a vaccine, doesn't matter. You have a better chance of dying from the flu than you do if you're a kid from this. But people don't keep their kids home because they might get the flu. No one has. The teachers are now vaccinated. Don't be worried about the kids. You work at Home Depot. Don't wear a mask. You got vaccinated. If you didn't, you wear a mask because you probably feel as though there's a risk. Or you feel as though I have the antibodies, I don't have to. But you're all making your decisions. The minute anyone who wanted a vaccination can get a vaccination, that's changed the game. And the vaccine is fantastic. Unlike what China and Russia came up with, this one actually works. So listen to the tone of the questions. I, I couldn't believe it. On the Sunday shows, whether it's Martha Raddatz, uh, whether it's Chuck Todd or John Dickerson, instead of embracing this and getting the word out, here's the tone. But now they're going to sit there and have people say, well, the CDC says I don't have to wear the mask anymore. How did you not just pull the rug out from underneath the mayor of Kansas City and everybody else in the country that's trying to manage this. But COVID is undeniably still a threat. And CDC has consistently shown us scientific evidence that says you are much safer if two people in a room have masks on. This kind of caught some people by surprise. And would it have been better to kind of walk people up to this very uh, kind of head-snapping new news? You've seen reporting that supposedly even the White House coronavirus team was sort of blindsided, if you will, found out very late in the day on Wednesday. Why the rush? 14 months is a rush for Chuck Todd? We were blindsided by good news? You know what blindsided is? Go home, you can't work tomorrow. You know what's good news? Take the rubber bands out from over behind your ear, take the, uh, take the mask, put it in your pocket. Because you might walk into a store and says, I don't want to go buy this mandate. I guess they could still do that. You might go to a restaurant that says, you know, when you go up to go to the bathroom as opposed to sit on your table, you got to put that mask on again. But now, thankfully, Walmart, Trader Joe's, Costco, Publix, Starbucks, uh, legendary restaurants, uh, restaurant brands, Hershey Park, Disney World, and Universal say you don't have to wear a mask. I got it. So don't worry about the distance. Don't worry about the mask. Now, if you're on the fence about getting a vaccine, this is going to help you make that decision. I'm not going to judge you either way, but you're not going to affect me. Now I can just live my life. And if you say, yeah, if I call up a friend of mine, he's like, I don't feel comfortable going out to a restaurant. I haven't been vaccinated. I chose not to. All right. That's called free will. What are all these hosts? They're so content having their rights taken away when, it's come, when it comes back to them. They can't handle it. I never expected it. Never expected it. What, what, I, what I'm stunned at is that this governor of New York, the governor of uh, Illinois, the governor of California has not caught up to the science. They're not letting science lead them. They're thinking about it on the mass mandate. They have their own schedule when it comes to the science. Wait, Governor Cuomo says, okay, I follow the science. I call Anthony Fauci all the time. Well, listen to what Anthony Fauci said about this. Come on, you want to listen to Anthony Fauci? Maybe he, he walks on water, right? 
Well, what's happened, there's been an accumulation of data, John, uh, showing in the real world effectiveness of the vaccines. It is even better than in the clinical trials, well over 90% protecting you against disease, number one. Number two, a number of papers have come out in the past couple of weeks showing that the vaccine protects even against the variants that are circulating. And thirdly, we're seeing that it is very unlikely that a vaccinated person, even if there's a breakthrough infection, would transmit it to someone else. So the accumulation of all of those scientific facts, information and evidence brought the CDC to make that decision to say, now, when you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, not only outdoors, but you don't need to wear it okay. indoors. I played the whole soundbite as excruciating it is for me to hear his voice, because I want you to hear what he's saying. He could have told us that in February. That'll be the story. But he showed to tell us that in May. Now, as a lot to do, probably, that Joe Biden had the worst week of his presidency with the inflation, with the ransomware, uh, with the gas prices, uh, the disaster or the job numbers. Terrible. So he puts it out now. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but it's true. The data is true. The facts are true. We should have done this in February. Now that you get a vaccine, you real, I really don't care if you're vaccinated or not. I don't sit next to me at the Yankee game. I chose to get vac vaccinated. I'm not going to judge you. So the New York Times is saying, it's New York Times, the New York Post, sitting there saying, wait a second. So the governor of New York doesn't want to listen to Anthony Fauci, remember? Who's going to play you in the movie when they do the movie about the pandemic? What about De Niro? What about Pacino? Have they, they're buddies, right? What's the problem? He wants control. He wants to be the one to call a press conference and say, I have decided to release the mask mandate. So the New York Post calls him out and says, trust the science. That's what Governor Cuomo is telling us for the past year and justifying the draconian crippling COVID measures. The restrictions were not his fault. He suggested he had to follow the directions of the CDC. He also endlessly claimed disingenuously, by the way, that it was CDC's guidance that led to the nursing home order that killed 15,000 plus seniors. Yet now the CDC has granted vaccinated Americans a reprieve by wearing masks. The emperor of New York says he knows better. Now it's screw the science, keep the masks on, and don't take them off until I say so. This isn't about health, it's about power. No question. Listen to what the science, listen to the science, Governor. Do what you have insisted we do all along. There is no Donald Trump to blame anymore. This guidance is from the administration you campaigned for. So true. If Donald Trump was president right now, there'd be such an uproar. But instead, they focus on Liz Cheney taking on Donald Trump and losing her slot as the number three most powerful person. Here's the story. Good news. It's almost done. Good news. We don't need two more rescue packages from Joe Biden trying to reorder society and take money to the most successful and throw it to causes that don't need any money, like junior college tuition. 1-866-408-7669. Listen, the vaccine works. You got vaccinated. Even if you're not vaccinated, outside, almost impossible to get it. Stop cleaning the surfaces. They told you you can get it on that. You can't. Take off the gloves. You don't need to. Now, when you walk into a restaurant, unless they're going to come down on you at Home Depot and defy their sensual orders, now it's open, uh, which says take off the mask. We are now allowed to walk around without masks on. So get on your local official if your governors are holding you back. Meanwhile, six New York County executives called on Cuomo to update the state mask mandate. Quote, New York needs to follow the science backed by the CDC. Signed by Rockland County of New York, Dutchess County, New York, 
Orange County, New York, Suffolk County, a fellow Democrat, Putnam County, that's upstate New York, Ulster, right around Poughkeepsie. These county executives put party aside and said, follow the science. Are you ready to follow the science? one 866 Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. And what I'm trying to help you understand is that these are not the phone calls I got about this, about who's the leader of the party, what's happening with Trump. My Republican supporters do not ask me about Trump. They don't ask me about what he said. They're not riled up about it. You know what they're asking about? What are we doing about over a quarter of a million illegal crossings on our border in the last two months? That's what, that's what they're asking about. How is that sustainable? What about my inflation? What about my savings that are now less valuable because of rising inflation because we're spending money that we don't have? My small business can't hire people right. because they're getting paid more to stay at home. And we said this would happen. We said this would happen, and now our economy isn't recovering. I mean, what do you think about the jobs report recently? So that's what Dan Crenshaw said to Chuck Todd, who only wants to talk about Liz Cheney and is Donald Trump still running the party. Yeah, he's a very important voice, probably the most popular voice. Without him, you're probably not going to be successful, but doesn't mean you subscribe to everything he does. Dan Crenshaw is trying to say that people in Texas are not thinking about Donald Trump. You people at NBC are because you have nothing else to talk about. And you don't want to talk about the border. You don't want to talk about inflation. You don't want to talk about ransomware. You don't want to talk about the article that came out on Friday that so shows Joe Bison so Joe Biden so into detail, he's refusing to make a decision, driving his staff nuts. He's quick-tempered as well if you give him too many acronyms. I don't know what they're trying to say. Everybody, 24 uh, former and current staffers cooperated with this New York Times story. It did not paint a pretty picture of Joe Biden. So you want to talk about Liz Cheney, the only congresswoman in Wyoming. But the big story is everybody, everyday life. You, everyone's talking about the pandemic. We're not talking about Liz Cheney. Steve, listen on the Fox News Radio app in Massachusetts. Steve, what about your governor? Are you allowed to walk around without a mask in and out? 
No, we're not. And we're surprised that, that the news media hasn't, hasn't paid more attention. Listen, we don't have – there's no difference here between our governor and the governor of New Jersey. Brian, when, when, just to let you know, Friday when, when the news broke about that, our governor came right out and put a press release that they are going to follow the science. He supposedly Wednesday is going to have some – make some grand speech again. This guy's no, no different than Cuomo. You're He's a Republican, state, too. Brian. Brian, you're talking about a state that has the third highest death rates in the nation, okay, percentage-wise. Yep. You're talking about a state that did the exact same thing to nursing home patients. I mean, everyone forgot about those poor veterans, what happened in that veteran home in Massachusetts, where how many people, they were actually some of the first people to die in great numbers. This governor did the exact same thing, and I'm telling you, as a as, what bugs me the most, Brian, is I knocked on 3,500 doors for this guy as a Republican, and he is without a doubt the biggest letdown. If I'm going to have someone who's going to act like a Democrat, I might as well vote for them, because at least I know where I'm going to be. This guy is on a power trip like I've never seen, and the only reason that a lot of us activists are going after him now is because we just found out last week he's probably going to run for a fourth term. Unbelievable. Uh, thanks so much, Steve. I appreciate it. I hear your anger. I feel it. Uh, just don't let up. And you tell people I'm following the science. Frank, W-L-A-D in Connecticut. Frank. Hey, Brian. What's up? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that guy. I, my, my point is I got a few things. Uh, the CDC directors on TV admitting that they miscounted the deaths, which we all know. That's a fact. The governors, of, all these liberal governors don't even follow their own party. And I want to know, when's Biden going to send a billion dollars to the Palestines, you know, to keep the fight going? Well, he does send money. He sent him money right away for doing nothing. No contingency. Here's the money that Donald Trump wouldn't give you because you refused to come to the table. Uh, he said, come to the table, have peace talks. We don't recognize Hamas and the Palestinian Authority does not have the authority. So I don't know how we expect to go forward here. Also, the Israelis, what do they had to have four elections in the last three years? They can't get a government together. Steve, listen, WCHV in Charlottesville. Steve. Hey, Brian, how are you? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, man, um, I, I hear you, and I am so sick and tired of wearing a mask. I'm on my way to work right now. I'm going to have to wear one for 10 days. That's fine. I, I can live with it. it it's, a, it's a pain. But more than anything, I, I want to get them off my kids in school. I, I have a 5-year-old with autism, and Ugh. he has to run around with a mask. And a face kidding. And, and I'm sick of it. And I feel like the only way we're going to beat this is to get more people vaccinated. So... You have a platform. Let's, let's talk people into this. I know it's none of our business. We can't control people's health. But let's advocate for this. Well, thing. Steve, no. What I'm going to do is this. I'm going to tell you what I did, but it shouldn't matter if anyway, if your neighbor did or didn't because they're going to take their own risk. It's not going to affect your health or my health. And kids should not be in masks, period. The teachers who have gotten vaccinated, the kid is more likely to suffer horrific consequences from the normal flu than from this COVID-19. This is total overreaction. Get rid of the plexiglass. Get rid of the distancing. Forget, burn the masks. We're done. Kids should never have been masked. Redo those camp guidelines and let these kids get a sense of normalcy. Uh, that is it. I mean, there's risk in everything. We are totally overdone it. And the CDC proved it on Friday. 1-866-408-7669. Inside the Israeli conflict in, a, in an area of depth uh, you not commonly gotten. Eli Lake will be joining us from Bloomberg in a second. And then we'll finish up with more of your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. 
new from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, we hope that it doesn't continue very long, but uh, we were attacked by Hamas on uh, our National Day, Jerusalem Day, uh, attacks, unprovoked attacks on Jerusalem, uh, and then thousands of rockets and missiles on our cities. Uh, and I think any country uh, has to defend itself. It has a natural right of self-defense. We'll do whatever it takes to restore order and quiet uh, and on the security of our people and deterrence. We're trying to degrade Hamas's terrorist abilities and to degrade their will to do this again. So it'll take some time. I hope it won't take long, but it's not immediate. Uh, here we go. Uh, Eli Lake is a Bloomberg uh, opinion columnist uh, covering national security and foreign policy issues. He wrote this story, why would Hamas, knowing that it's going to get destroyed, uh, why would they want to start this war? Even though they're going to claim they won, they never win. Joining us now, Eli Lake. Eli, thanks so much for joining us. It looks like this thing's going to go on for at least another week. Why did Hamas start this? Great to be back, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Um, well, this is because they're not waging any kind of military campaign or it's using military means. But this is a PR war for Hamas, and it's a cynical one. The images uh, that are very that are tragic um, of uh, bombed out buildings, dead children, dead civilians um, are used um, both to uh, you know, poison Israel's reputation in the court of public opinion, but also uh, leverage potentially international uh, legal action against Israel through the International Criminal Court and the Rome Statute, which is already the lead prosecutor, which has already said that there may be war crimes violations on both sides. And if you're Hamas, it's a, it's a, it's a no-lose kind of from a PR perspective scenario, because everybody knows that Hamas is a terrorist group. So if Hamas is accused of committing atrocities during a war, it doesn't change their dynamics at all. Iran, Qatar, Turkey, and others will still support them. Uh, Israel, though, though, has everything to lose, particularly with the new Abraham Accords, although I don't think it will uh, in a significant way shake the agreements that have already been made. But other countries that were inching towards formal recognition of Israel, like Saudi Arabia, this probably sets that back. Not to mention the fact that it is, uh, will be used as a boost for those in Europe and the West uh, to continue the boycott, divestment, and sanctions uh, agenda against Israel, which has not really been that successful from any kind of economic perspective, but certainly uh, from a kind of cultural perspective and boycotting academic groups and other things, um, that has uh, the, this, this, these kinds of wars pick up steam. So Hamas is fighting a message war. They're fighting a political war, and they're using dead Palestinians that are in the territory that they're sovereign of in Gaza as props. That is a cynical, uh, despicable strategy, and I think that that's the first point that needs to be understood in the current conflict. Israel, no country, by the way, is perfect. There are plenty of criticisms you can make, and you can say, well, even still, Israel should not have hit this building or that building, and there will be after-action reports, and the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, does that all the time. They learn from their past mistakes. But what you can't do is equate Hamas with Israel 
and then point to the disparity in the, in the death count of civilians and say, therefore, Israel was more wrong, which is sort of what everybody or a lot of people in the media do um, uh, every time this, sort of, this thing happens, which is every few years you see another flare-up here. So they had they hit this big building, it's a media building, the AP among the organizations who were there, yeah. and it's pretty pretty much understood. I understand that the Hamas was operating out of that building. They gave them a warning. They got out and they took out the building. Listen to what Chuck Todd assumed. Cut twenty eight. Well, we're going to begin with the fighting between Israel and Hamas. One day after the Israelis targeted and demolished a building in Gaza, housing international news organizations. But the, he missed the point. Here's what Netanyahu said about this. And before doing it, he briefed the U.S., the Biden administration, what was in there. Cut 27. You spoke with President uh, Biden yesterday. It's inconceivable you would have talked to him and not shared proof of Hamas in those buildings that housed the journalists. Did you share that with him? Well, we pass it through the uh, intelligence services to our people, to uh, those people. Uh, why do you think we brought down that building? The interesting thing is, I would say, that, you know, all the journalists, one of the, uh, I think, AP journalists said, we were lucky to get out. Yeah. No, you weren't lucky to get out. It wasn't luck. It's because we took special pains to call people in those buildings to make sure that the premises were vacated. Mm -hmm. And that's why we brought down that building. And look, you have your own experiences, I think, in, in Mosul, in Fallujah, in Afghanistan. Uh, I, I think you can appreciate the efforts we go through in dense urban right. fighting when terrorists are... Uh, uh, targeting civilians who are hiding behind civilians, how difficult that is. We do our best to avoid civilian casualties. So uh, he's making that effort. They're trying to text people ahead of time, but they have to take out Hamas's headquarters. And, and so far, they they seem to have been effective, although you had over 50 kids who have lost their lives, according to the Palestinian Authority. Well, a couple points here. One is that I do think that it's fair to level a kind of criticism against Israel, which is who were the Hamas figures who were in the building? What was the specific military purpose of the building that housed uh, the uh, other international media? And I think that, you know, I'd like to get the answers to that question. And it's something that would be up to debate. What's not up to debate, though, is that it's who, who you know, the fact that Hamas started this war by launching the first barrages of rockets knowing that there would be, because this has happened, I think, five times in the last 15 years, there would be an Israeli response. Well, it's incredibly cynical. It's dastardly to then, knowing that this is going to all happen, then who endangered the lives of the journalists? It's Hamas who decided to co-locate various military commands in these sorts of buildings. And then you can question, you say, well, you knew all of that and you still shouldn't have done it because right. I place such a high value in, you know, having, you know, reporters be able to report during a war. That's all fair criticism. What is not fair is to say Israel is deliberately trying to target journalists. No, they ask the journalists to leave the building. They explain we have this information. And in many ways, I've never seen, I mean, the fact that Netanyahu is going to go and say, we had this intelligence, we passed it on. We'd like to, of course, see more details, but we'll get that, in, I think, in, in weeks to come. But the fact that Israel is pretty transparent, saying this is how we do things, this is what we do, this, we give these warnings. And they've done that in, in other buildings that they've targeted. They've done these note, knocks on the roof, and they've, they've put out blast text messages. This is now standard procedure, which is saying they're trying to avoid casualties, but it's very difficult when Hamas is deliberately firing from these densely populated and civilian areas and setting up their 
headquarters there. I mean, the famous example is that there was the Hamas military command in a war, I think, from 2008 in the basement of the Al-Shifa hospital. Imagine that if the Israelis knew that they're right. on the bottom basement level, that there was a command center, and yet it was a hospital above ground. That is terrible what Hamas is doing in that respect. Yeah, Eli, uh, Eli Lake with us from Bloomberg. Eli, a couple of things. Let's look at the big picture. Since there was none of this happened over the last four years between Israel and the Palestinians. Uh, the Palestinians are a mess. Hamas is the most powerful, and they are a terrorist organization. The Palestinian Authority sits in the West Bank and afraid to have elections because they would lose additional power. The guy who replaced Yasser Arafat now I think is 80. Uh, so, yeah. so, I mean, th there is no future for the Palestinian Authority, and there's no one to negotiate with if you're the Israelis. But what happened is, since Trump left, uh, now Saudi Arabia is isolated. They have to go approach talks with Iran because they're concerned about their security. The Houthi rebels no longer have to worry about the Saudis going against them. They're just sending rockets into Saudi Arabia. They're affiliated with Iran. Hamas is affiliated with Iran. Syria is affiliated with Iran. And now they've all been bolstered up. And we're looking for a way to give Iran some unfrozen money. Uh, that they think well, that I, they have coming to, make, to I would, There's one, one question, because I wrote about this uh, like about 10 days ago. The Saudi outreach to Iran actually really begins in 2019. And that was after, if you remember, there was an incredible attack that took out most of their oil production facilities with these uh, drones and other missiles that was attributed to Iran. And the Trump administration at first did not respond militarily to that. Although eventually we know the Trump administration took out Qasem Soleimani, which really did set the Iranians back significantly. Now, those that at that point, the reaching out from the Saudis was quieted. They didn't announce it. They didn't confirm it. But it, it did happen at that level. And then the fact that they're announcing it now and they're going out in the open, they're saying, well, we'd like to have a relationship with Iran, too. And the Biden administration has encouraged that. That's the difference in the policy. But everything else you said is absolutely right. Clearly, Iran's proxies in the region feel that there is a new administration and they're trying to sort of test the limits for President Biden. Now, in Biden's defense, from my perspective, as someone who's pro-Israel, he has not yet fallen into the trap of many people in his party, like AOC, equating Hamas and Israel. In fact, explicitly— Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie Sanders. Secretary of State Blinken has explicitly said there's no— comparison. Israel is the right to defend itself. Hamas is the aggressor. They're a terrorist organization. That is well and good. That's the right message to send. The big question, I think, for Israel and all of us who are watching this is, will Biden give Israel the space to uh, inflict enough damage to deter or to take out the ability to con conduct these kinds of barrages in the future? But then the other challenge, not just for Biden, but for, I think, the entire region, really, is how do you figure out uh, an artful and elegant way to empower the Palestinian people to reject both Hamas but also the corrupt leadership of the Palestinian Authority so that you can eventually get a democratically legitimate uh, Palestinian entity that can negotiate with Israel that doesn't decide to use uh, and exploit its own civilians and the suffering of its own civilians for some sort of PR right. victory to demonize Israel? That's a longer-term project, and frankly, the last people who tried really to look at that was the Bush, the George W. Bush administration, and for too long it's been neglected, and it's something that I would hope the Biden administration would seriously give some thought to, because there can be no Palestinian future. There will be no peace as long as Hamas is there, and uh, it's time for—and and Israel can't go back in and reoccupy Gaza. So 
there has to be creative solutions to look at ways to sort of phase Hamas out so they can no longer kind of hold hostage the population that that, that is a, which, which they absolutely are. Them. China's offering yeah. to host the Israeli-Palestinians in peace talks. Do you believe this? Uh, I believe that they're doing this as a gambit, but it's a joke. No one, I mean, I mean, Israel would be so foolish to agree to that, and I don't think anybody else would. Yeah. But it's just so funny. They they want to be yeah. have a role everywhere, and they they put I mean, a probe I, on I, Mars. I, they they want to go do these peace agreements. They want to challenge us everywhere. If I was um, if I was uh, you know Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, I would I would announce that. The United States will be hosting uh, a human rights conference to uh, look at uh, the indigenous rights of the Uyghur people in Western China. If that's how China wants to play, I mean, China does not have a leg to stand on morally or politically to mediate this conflict when they themselves are involved in probably uh, the worst ongoing, uh, at least cultural, if not actual, genocide uh, right now on the planet. And in our lifetime, perhaps. Um, yeah. Eli Lake, thanks so much. We'll continue to follow this. How long do you think it's going to go? Um, I, you know, no one can predict. I, I, I don't think there will be a ground incursion. I, I hope it's, I hope, I hope the end the fighting ends as, as soon as possible, but we're hearing from the Israelis probably a week or so. And let's, let's hope it's uh, as short as it can be. All right. Uh, Eli Lake, thank you so much. Thank you. 1-866-408-7669. We'll take your calls and find out if there's more to know. Brian Kennedy. Giving you everything you need to know is Brian. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. And the more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. It was reported that Jeff Bezos has begun building a new $500 million yacht. In response, Elon Musk has begun building a $600 million iceberg. (laughs) Uh, Billionaire jokes, but SNL used to be a place to go to. Uh, Outside Kate McKinnon, I do not love that show. And I think it it makes me think that I need to know more. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. So get this. You remember last two weeks ago when Elon Musk was going to co-host and he uh, going to host the show and he did. And all these rumors started that the cast members were going to boycott, didn't want to appear with them. They were too freaked out, anxiety ridden because I guess he has some controversial tweets or he moved out of California for Texas. I don't think he's necessarily Republican, do you? No, he's a libertarian, I believe. Yeah, so I don't know what the problem was with Elon Musk. He's just not woke enough. Plus, he's got electric cars, wants to go to space, makes it... I mean, you'd think he'd be the the cool guy, but I guess he's not cool enough for Hollywood. He didn't carry at big ratings. Well, this week, they did not have big ratings. In fact, uh, their ratings dropped... uh, After they rose sharply with Musk, they dropped to pre-Musk levels last night. The season's... uh, uh, episode hosted by Keegan Michael Key with Olivia Rodrigo as musical guest. I never heard of her. Drew 3.5 uh, in the metered household. Uh, and 18 to 49, they went down to a 1.5. That's real low compared to the May 8th show where they got a 4.7 and a 2.7 in the demo, which is what you sell. So why are everyone upset with Elon Musk? I don't know. I mean, they should be happy. Actually, got you know, it was a funny show and it got ratings, so it's a win-win. I thought so. Well, some parts were funny. Next, have Prince Harry 
uh, is really having a rough time in America. The more he talks, the less you like him. First, he's complaining about his terrible upbringing, how bad a father he has, how he had to go to a therapist to realize everything that was lacking in his life. Now he's diminishing the royal family. While his grandfather was dying, accelerated his death, in my view, and then came out with this statement in Dak Shepard's podcast about one of our Bill of Rights. I got so much I want to say about the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're... I, I still don't understand it, but it is bonkers. I don't want to start sort of going down the First Amendment route because that's a huge subject and one of which I don't understand because I've only been here for a short period of time. But you can find a loophole in anything mm -hmm. and you can capitalise or exploit what's not said rather than uphold what is said. Uh, I, I, I don't, uh, I can't, uh, what? <laughs> what did you play in response, Eric? That was uh, Peter Griffin, I believe, from Family Guy. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so what is he talking about? Like, what's so hard for him to understand? I'm not sure. A, he should have stopped when he said, I don't know much about the First Amendment. So then stop talking. But then, two, to exploit what you don't say, what what is he thinking? Like, I'm not sure what example he's thinking of in his head. But I can't think of one that how that even makes sense. You know what? He reminds me of a Superman that lost his powers and doesn't realize it. Because <laughs> he comes over here, nobody cares about royalty. He wants to be Prince Harry while diminishing the only thing that makes him special coming from this family. He's telling us not to respect the family. They're terrible people by using the anecdotes of how he how he views them now. So he married this, uh, this very average actress, Meghan Markle, who pretends as if she has no idea that his grandmother, he has to curtsy in front of his grandmother, the Queen. So much about that interview was disturbing. And now he's getting some backlash overseas and people are laughing at him here. I agree with you. But at the same time, the, you know, one aspect of the media is still applauding him right when he was at that, the global vax thing. It was yeah. like, he was such a hit. He was the best thing to ever well, happen. Next, UFOs are real. Listen to Marco Rubio. There's a stigma on Capitol Hill. I mean, some of my colleagues are very interested in this topic and some kind of, you know, giggle. When you, when you bring it up. But I, I don't think we can allow the stigma to keep us from having an answer to a very fundamental question. What do you want us to do about this? I want us to take it seriously and have a process to take it seriously. Because, because there's so, I want us to have a process. There are so many incidents that have happened. We watched it last night, including uh, right off the Nimitz, USS uh, Nimitz. They have some of these fighter jets, uh, pilots, talk about what they've seen. Uh, some of the video is really uh, mystifying. It shows an acceleration, no propulsion. It shows a speed that we have not seen on this planet before. If it's Russia or China, we're in trouble anyway. If it's another planet, we're really in trouble. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Happy to be coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We have a big hour coming your way. It's going to include a very special guest. In fact, uh, two special guests are going to be coming your way. Uh, and then we're also going to have the breaking news. Michael Goodwin will be joining us in a matter of moments from the New York Post and Mark Furman about the rising crime across this country to stunning numbers. Do you know it's up 800% in Portland, Oregon? 80% here in New York? And talk about 
all types of crime as well. And he has a brand new series out on Fox Nation. Uh, so the President of the United States is going to be speaking again about COVID-19 about 1 o'clock today. What is he going to be talking about? How about just underlining the fact that we do not have to wear masks if you're vaccinated indoor or outdoor? Why everyone's struggling with this, I don't know, but add this to it. Joe Biden not helping. Over the weekend, he's actually walking outside with a mask. I thought he was supposed to. He's all over Trump. You're not setting a good example. And then we get this. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Israel has made it clear that they need a few more days here. You look at Prime Minister Netanyahu's interview with John Dickerson yesterday on Face the Nation. I mean, they're making it clear that they are degrading Hamas's military capabilities and they need to keep working at it. So I think we're still probably at least a few days away. Yeah, I would think so. Week two of the latest lethal Hamas-Israeli conflict. There's been four overall. Israel is now taking its time, taking out these leaders, but it has to do it in a very dense, pedestrian-filled area, doing the best they can to be careful. Uh, now even President Biden is, has got problems because he's got pro-Palestinian radical left uh, pushing him to condemn Israel, which would be a big mistake. Number two. My Republican supporters do not ask me about Trump. They don't ask me about what he said. They're not riled up about it. You know what they're asking about? What are we doing about over a quarter of a million illegal crossings on our border? What about my inflation? What about my savings that are now less valuable because of rising inflation because we're spending money that we don't have? Yeah, uh, that is so true. Dan Crenshaw flabbergasted on the Liz Cheney question. Uh, the left is obsessed with Liz Cheney. I have news for you. Nobody cares. The party is raising money, capitalizing on the momentum they've gotten because of the Biden blunders and because of the inflation and the spending palooza. Liz Cheney, as much as I like her, is not a factor. Number one. The CDC announced that fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks or socially distance, except if you go to most places. Take it off and stop asking why. You can take off your mask. That's my advice to the media and some Americans who refuse to take off their masks. Why are people so upset about getting good news? Uh, let's bring in Michael Goodwin. He always brings good news from the New York Post, columnist, uh, Fox News contributor. Michael, welcome back. Good morning, Brian. Thank hey, you. Hey, Michael, here's the easiest question you'll be forced to answer. Are you surprised that the CDC, the scientists, came out and said, the tests reveal that vaccinated Americans can go indoor or outdoor without a mask and that our fearless governor, whose ego is so out of control it's beyond human comprehension, said, no, no, not so fast. I'll decide when we can take the masks off. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what you're seeing is, uh, from the political class, largely uh, their determination to hold on to the power. There, there's an awful lot of power, Brian, in the mask. There's a, there's a political statement behind the mask, which it started with Trump, right, that Trump wouldn't wear a mask. How dare he? And, and the reporters were fuming. And so uh, even Biden, I think it, Biden is still wearing the mask because it's anti-Trumpism at its core. It's, it's about saying that we need the government to protect us. We need the government. And the, the mask is like a government blanket. It's a, it's a little bit of a, a child's uh, favorite toy or, or a little blanket that the baby needs to, to feel secure. That's what the mask has become. It's no longer about the science. It may have been about the science at one point. 
point, but it was always about the anti-Trump science. And now when the real science catches up to the anti-Trump science, suddenly the Democrats don't want to let it go. I know. So listen to this. I'm watching the Sunday shows and I'm amazed. This is good news, right? You're vaccinated. It's better than we thought. There's no reason to walk around with the mask on. And what if you're unvaccinated? So what? That's your choice. If Michael Goodwin decides not to get vaccinated, I'm going to judge you. You adjust your lifestyle the way you want. I don't know. Did you get whooping cough? Did you get inoculated for polio? Measles? Not my business. So listen to the line of questioning. But now they're going to sit there and have people say, well, the CDC says I don't have to wear the mask anymore. How did you not just pull the rug out from underneath the mayor of Kansas City and everybody else in the country that's trying to manage this. But COVID is undeniably still a threat. And CDC has consistently shown us scientific evidence that says you are much safer if two people in a room have masks on. This kind of caught some people by surprise. And would it have been better to kind of walk people up to this very uh, kind of head-snapping new news? You've seen reporting that supposedly even the White House coronavirus team was sort of blindsided, if you will, found out very late in the day on Wednesday. Why the rush? (laughs) Why rush it? It's only been 14 months. That's a beauty. You know, the next thing they're going to come around on, Brian, is the the Wuhan lab and the the virus itself. Uh, You're beginning to see the scientists, again, catching up with uh, the Trump world, that this was not uh, some accident that came from animals, that this was a lab that, now, it may have been intentional or it may have been an accident, but I think you're going to see more and more scientists coming around to say, wait a minute, we have to, the source of this, we don't know. We have not been told the truth by China or the WHO, and this idea that uh, it was, uh, came from a lab, was poo-pooed, banned on Twitter, banned on Facebook, guess what? More and more scientists are mm-hmm. now saying we have to re-examine this. There's something there we still don't know. So you got six county executives in New York who wrote a letter to Governor Cuomo and said, follow the science. Let us tell our people with the numbers, thankfully, about 1% positivity with deaths uh, single digits in some counties. Some Democrat county executives, including the one in Suffolk County, said, Mr. President, Mr. Governor, relieve, let us do what the federal guidelines say to do. Do you think he will listen? Uh well, he will he, look, Brian. If you remember back when the vaccine was first being talked about, Cuomo said, "Not in my state. We're going to have to approve it ourselves first. This is this is some of the same nonsense, Cuomo. Cuomo is is afflicted with this idea that somehow he is special, that New York is special in ways that uh, def- defy any other." person from outside understanding it. We're New York tough. We do it our way. I mean, it's silly. It, it's childish. It's like a like a playground spat. Uh, you know, you can't tell me what to do. Uh, I'll decide for New York. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing, and it's killing businesses. It's, it's killing the summer. You know, people, look, people, as you said, people are smart enough to make their own decisions. There are some areas where 
where the government, I think, should issue requirements. Yeah. Uh, I think the vaccine is an incredibly important tool that the government is trying to encourage people to use, but is afraid to require it. Many corporations are afraid to require it. If it were up to me, if I had a corporation, I would say you have to come back to work, and before you come back to work, you have to get vaccinated unless there's a good medical reason why you can't be vaccinated, which would be a very tiny sliver of people. But I think the vaccine is a miracle. Take yes for an answer on but the vaccine. I would have a different handle. I'd say you can make your own decision, but you got to sign a release. I don't want to get sued if you get this virus. So mm -hmm. that's just it. So, yeah. And Governor Murphy comes out on Friday and said, I understand people are tired of the mask. I'm tired of the mask. But if you, for example, walk into a hardware store and you haven't been vaccinated, it's not fair to the people in the hardware store. What's wrong with him? I thought he's a billionaire. If you are in the hardware store, it's up to you. If you're vaccinated, you can't get it. You can't transfer it. So if that person walks in unvaccinated, he or she is the one at risk. So I want you to see this from an op-ed from the New York Post, and we'll get to yours. Uh, to, uh, from yesterday. Uh, uh, last March, then-candidate Biden slammed Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, saying to get through this, we need our leaders to listen to the public health experts and follow the guidance. Does that only apply to GOP governors who refuse to crater their state's economies, or does it also apply to Democrats? Why isn't the president scolding Cuomo over his refusal to embrace CDC guidelines? Now, all of a sudden, who's doing the Neanderthal thinking, right? Yes. Yes, it, it's absolutely right. I mean, they held the CDC up as the model, except when it changed. Remember how the CDC, uh, the Post proved how the CDC rewrote some of its guidance on school reopenings at the behest of the teachers' unions. So the, the idea that somehow the C CDC is infallible, uh, the Democrats want to hold it up when it suits their political purposes. But when it doesn't suit their political purposes, then the CDC is just another agency riddled by by what? We don't know. But they, they, they only want to do what is politically convenient. And that is destroying science. I mean, the science does not give you the, the answer that the politicians want, or it shouldn't. But we see that the CDC did it in terms of school reopenings, and now the left wants to attack it because they want their blankie. They, they want their mask, which has uh, become sort of a totem for them. Uh, it, it's remarkable, Brian. As I said, take yes for an answer. We have, we have by and large, not completely, but we have by and large conquered the pandemic through the vaccine. By the way, Operation Warp Speed, does that ring a bell? Uh, but again, that's part of the issue. Donald Trump, we're against Donald Trump. Uh, he built the vaccine. Well, we can't really trust the vaccine. We still have to wear a mask. Right. Uh, you say you let, uh, when it comes to the Israeli-Hamas fight, let Israel finish the job. In what respect? Well, look, uh, Hamas started this war. And Hamas, one of the things we learned already is that Hamas has greatly increased its ability to fire rockets and missiles into any portion of Israel. Now, thankfully, uh, the Iron Dome defense system has knocked down most of those headed for population centers. But the sheer number of missiles and rockets, oh, over 3,000 now, uh, is far beyond what Israel fought uh, 
Hamas had, and the capability to travel greater distances. So there's no place in Israel now that is immune from these rockets from Gaza. So in order to demolish that infrastructure and all of the storage uh, and the people who have perpetrated this war, think of this. These rockets are unguided. They are fired directly and intentionally at population centers. And it's Israel that's getting hammered because it has a more sophisticated defense system and a more sophisticated offensive system that it is targeting these Palestinian leaders. uh, They're terrorists. Let's not confuse them with ordinary citizens. They are terrorists sworn to the destruction of Israel. Why should Israel not take them all out? Why should it... Let it keep it. Let Hamas keep the rockets and the and the know-how and the ammunition dumps. If just because they're hidden in uh, in residential buildings or schools or even mosques, so why should these things be off limits? I mean, you can see it online, Brian. It's the Israeli military will call civilians. They have the phone numbers, it seems, of everybody in in uh, Gaza. They'll call civilians and say, "You have an hour to get out of your apartment building." Because because it is being used as an ammunition dump in the basement. We're targeting You have an hour to get out. So the Hamas people get out, too. But what other military has ever done that? Called civilians that way and warned them. I know. You know, of course they're going to make accidents at times. There, there will be mistakes. But the Palestinians, the, 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 the Hamas terrorists, they target Israeli cities. Israel warns uh, Palestinian citizens to get out of the buildings that are being targeted. One side is fighting a military war. The other side is fighting against civilians. It is Hamas uses civilians as shields. Israel does gotcha. more to help the Palestinians. Palestinian civilians than Hamas does. All right. Thanks so much. Michael Goodwin, always great. New York Post uh, and Fox News contributor. Michael, thanks. My pleasure, Brian. You got it. Hey, coming up in 10 minutes, Mark Furman brings us inside the crime wave in this country and looks at some famous cases that have been uh, been cold cases and whatever became of them, from Natalie Holloway to Joel Rifkin. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. That's great news this week. The CDC announced that fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks or socially distance, except if you go to most places. After the announcement, President Biden told Americans to take off your mask and smile, even though take it off and smile is the first example in every workplace harassment seminar. Well, that was mildly funny, but totally true. It is, he said, take off the mask, and it's got great news, a great day to celebrate. And everyone said, quickly, we're not ready to do that. The governor's wanted a heads up. People are walking around, I'm not ready. Rachel Maddow came out with that ridiculous statement, I don't know if I'm ready to walk around and not give people basically, to paraphrase, the evil eye for not, uh, for, for not wearing a mask. Get used to it. 14 months. People are traumatized for 14 months. But this should be the good part. Putting it on was the hard part. Taking it off should be the easy part. So when they make this announcement, people are supposed to get in line and high five, I thought. Alec, you're listening online in Illinois. Hey, Alec. 
Hey, Brian, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind? How's it going in uh, Illinois? They're letting you take your mask off? It, it's extremely frustrating. So Pritzker, our governor, he did adopt the mask mandate rules. But, however, it's been a total nightmare for me because I go into every business now I want without a mask. And, honestly, I thought some lady was going to call the cops on me. And, by the way, I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah, you're vaccinated. So, you know, don't worry about it. These guys get it over. They got to, this is the yeah, life I we're supposed to, to lead. I, I fought back. I said, hey, why do I need to put a mask on? Right. Because you got vaccinated. You waited two weeks. It's, it, it's 96% successful. You have a better chance of getting hit by a truck than this. There's risk in everything, but it's infinitesimal. If you do get it, these symptoms are going to be so mild, you're not going to pay the price. Those aren't my words. Those are the experts' words. Listen to, of all people, Anthony Fauci, cut four. Well, what's happened, there's been an accumulation of data, John, uh, showing in the real world effectiveness of the vaccines it is even better than in the clinical trials well over 90 percent protecting you against disease number one number two a number of papers have come out in the past couple of weeks showing that the vaccine protects even against the variants that are circulating and thirdly we're seeing that it is very unlikely that a vaccinated person, even if there's a breakthrough infection, would transmit it to someone else. It's, it's almost impossible. And we, we played it, and, I've been, and people listening to the show know it. The CDC director told us that last month. Then she walked it back. So now, today, uh, of course, every business can set their own policy, whether you're the smallest restaurant or the biggest chain. Walmart said no mask. Trader Joe's says no mask. Costco, Publix, Starbucks. By the way, all those woke people in Starbucks with the green hair and the nose rings, good luck with them. They're going to be, they're probably going to quit rather than allow people not to wear masks. Legendary restaurant uh, brands, Hershey Park, Disney, Universal, no masks. Don't keep your distance, no masks. Now we're going to have to work on schools. But for Universal, I know Disney has some like um, caveats, right? If you're in line or on a ride, you still need to wear it. Is that true? I heard it this morning. Um, I'll go find the source per se, but. Yeah, I, I haven't heard that. Uh, put it this way: You can't have an you can't have a good time in an amusement park at 100 degrees wearing a mask. So, uh, and plus, you don't need to. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Inside the crime wave in our country with Mark Furman. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. In 2005, Natalie Holloway became a household name. But for a reason, no one would ever want. Her tragic tale gripped the nation and dominated the nightly news. A beautiful young woman, plucked from paradise, days after her high school graduation. Suspects soon emerged, but no physical evidence and no body. And that is a little of the Furman Diaries, a brand new season. Season number six opens up on Fox Nation. Uh, and we're going to talk not only about the, the season and some of these cases we all know and wonder what happened to, but also the rise in crime in this country and what it would be like right now if Mark Furman was wearing the uniform, especially in Los Angeles or in New York. Uh, Mark Furman, uh, Fox News contributor, welcome back. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, excuse me, it's really hard to talk 
uh, through this mask I'm wearing at my house. So. <laughs> I know you're not wearing a mask at your house. <laughs> Can you believe, by the way, I'll no. just take, I'll just go with that. Can you believe we get good news like this and everyone's pushing back on it in disbelief? We were, has this whole country been traumatized? I, I think, Ryan, this whole country, this is an exercise in how much control they can have over people without them pushing back. And uh, I think this mask mandate should have been eliminated six months ago, especially in states that were showing no growth or no spread, and they had complete control. And it's example after example, but, you know, blue states want control and control over all of us, and this is the exercise, in my opinion. I don't think it would have mattered much in the death rate in many places if they would have uh, not had a mandate. I when think I, people have common sense. And by the way, when I'm thinking about police officers a year ago today, maybe a year ago last month, you know, 12 months ago, when we told the police officers, hey, when you're on the street, uh, best of luck. Uh, just like you, supermarket workers, whether you're delivering the, the mail for people, you got to keep working. How many police officers lost their lives because this pandemic was out of control and there was no vaccine, right? Oh, you know something, Brian. You know what's what's what is really strange about everything to do with police is everybody thinks that they're not like everybody else. That they're not human. That they they have no emotions. That that their drive is absolutely do whatever we tell you to. There is absolutely uh, you have no choice. You're you're a robot. And the the problem is is we need police. And when you have to make hundreds of thousands of contacts a day, there's going to be mistakes made in police work, in the fire department, in building cars. I mean, are we going to eliminate cars because we have recalls? Are we going to eliminate firemen because they didn't get there in time and the house burned down? It's just so absurd. The amount of mistakes that police made is minuscule in comparison to other industries and other People that are having to make decisions in split seconds, of which no other career does, but Absol yet then they're judged for no, decades. No kidding. And uh, we're seeing that over and over again. And we're seeing now people are sobering up. we got to get rid of cops. We're reimagining police. We're going to have social workers do the job. So cops start saying, you know, take my badge. I'm retiring. I'm calling it a day. I'm going on leave. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm not signing up for the academy. We're seeing in places like Nassau County, which is one of the best places to work, they, they give you great respect, great leadership, a lot of, uh, a lot of training. They said that they had the smallest return on their academy uh, acceptance ever. It, with police, they can't get anyone to sign up for transit cops to even go through the academy. And look at these numbers. New York City, homicides up 27%. Atlanta, 57%. In Minneapolis, up 100% year to year. In Portland, 800%. So you diminish the cops, you defund the cops, billions of dollars, and you wonder why that happens. Oh, Brian, I'll tell you, back in the day, you know, when I was on the street and we had an increase of 10 percent in homicides or armed robberies where people were shot, there was a gathering by the chief of police of all the detectives and detective supervisors, and he'd say, why, and then come up with a solution and correct it. So now you have a lack of leadership in all these big cities because they have promoted incompetence because it, they either do what they're told or it looks good, and then they, they have no leadership, and then you have all these people that are hard chargers, like you said. 
they go, okay, I got my 20, I got my 25 in, I'm leaving. I would have stayed another 10 years, but I can't tolerate this. I'm not, I'm not being led and I'm not allowed to do my job. So the homicide rate goes out of sight. And the more people you lose that have experience, the less competence you have on the street to actually do something and solve something. And if people want that, they're going to get it in metropolitan areas, but everybody else is leaving. No question. And if people want to reform the police, maybe they should deal the police into that. And maybe we should get, if it's going to be federal money, it could be training. Not with departments like yours where you used to work, because you guys got plenty of money to train. It's a decision. But these smaller towns with so much at stake, they don't have money to pay these men and women what they deserve, let alone put together a training facility where they could be ready for all things. Just like everything else, you got to keep going, uh, uh, going at it. And getting better at it. So I want to talk to you about your series. You have you have six new uh, episodes coming out on your six series, I should say. So you have Natalie Holloway. What do you bring to the table here with the with the young girl that was lost in Aruba? Well, you know, Brian. You know, I was involved in this from the very beginning. I've been to Aruba. I was there in Peru when he killed the second woman. You know. The first thing that happens in these media cases is people have theories. Theories, they're not evidence. They're not based in fact, but they, they get their own momentum. And then before you know it, people repeat it like it's fact and evidence, like it's DNA. Natalie Holloway was captured or sold to sex traffickers, and they put her on a boat, and she went to Venezuela. Zero evidence, zero ships there. Nobody saw anything. But that is half the things that people say about this. Natalie Holloway was with three young men, all three of which lied when they were questioned the next day, and they were seen on a video at a hotel. They said they dropped her off, and she walked into the whole hotel um, lobby. Well, she didn't. They lied. The two people that was with Jorhan Vandersloot, the Kalpo brothers, finally admitted the truth. Jorhan didn't. Johan was a suspect, and they, they missed that window of opportunity to actually probably find just the remains of Natalie Holloway. But I never thought she was alive after the first day. You know, I did go to Aruba to that other side of the island. I never knew what people were talking about and say, what, what do you mean, that beautiful, pristine uh, uh, ocean? I mean, what, how could you, what do you mean you can't troll the area? You see how rough the other side of the island is. You know oh. that if anybody goes in there, they're not getting out. Well, not only that, Brian, there's a there's a hundred abandoned mines on the other side of the island. I mean, there is a thousand places to hide a body, and some of those are open cavern mines that the ocean actually will come in and actually move something that is put in there and actually move it out to sea. You, you'll never know where it is. So when you when you look at everything that's involved in the Natalie Holloway case, the very evidence that I found when I was in Aruba, and I was I was in their, their Natalie Holloway murder room, case room. I was talking to the detective. I was talking to the chief, and they gave me information of which I suspected that Johan van der Sloot was involved in uh, a lot of uh, dealings with GHB, the date rape drug, and ecstasy. And a lot of people don't know this. Holland is the number one place in the world for the highest quality ecstasy in the world. So if they're involved in this, there's a scam that goes on that they told me about, that these 
young guys work these tourists knowing exactly when they're going to leave. And that last night is usually a party night, and that's when they make their move with these date rape drugs, ecstasy and everything, and they're moving towards a sexual interaction of which they may or may not remember, but they're gone the next day. Unbelievable. Uh, Mark, the other one I just want to bring up is the Cheshire home. Cheshire, Connecticut. It's a beautiful area. Oh. Uh, can you set the table here, and then I'm going to play a clip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, this is the one that, that still gets me right dead center in my chest. The Pettit family, Cheshire, Connecticut. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, USA family town uh, at 3 in the morning. Two parolees that should have never been out of prison break into the basement. Uh, they are armed with supposedly one pistol. They arm themselves with a baseball bat, go upstairs. The father is asleep on the couch. They beat him with the baseball bat unconscious, drag him into the basement, tie him up, go up into the bedrooms. Two young girls, the daughters, two teenage daughters, they tie up to the bed, put a, a pillowcase over their head. The mother, they do the same. They ransack the house. They don't find anything that is really of value except for a bank account. They wait until in the morning, take the mother to the bank. They get $15,000, and while they're there, the one sus while the one suspect's with the mother, the other suspect is molesting and raping the youngest teenager. When they get back, they make a decision that now we've left evidence here, we have to destroy it. But let's not forget this. Long before anybody went to the bank, they found two gas cans in the garage and they went and filled them up at a local gas station. So they intended to burn the house down and probably kill the whole family from the onset. And that is where the stage is that she goes into the bank, the note is passed from her to the teller. My family's being held hostage. They know who she is. They know her address. The bank manager calls the police. And when she and the suspect leave, there's an officer two blocks away, and that officer is told, do not stop these individuals. Do not stop the suspect and the victim. They let them get back to the house. And they say, surround and surveil the house. They sit out there for 36 minutes while they kill and rape the mother. They rape and molest another one of the teenagers, pour gas on the teenagers, pour gas in the kitchen, set the whole house on fire, and then try to escape in the family car. Please so why, obviously it, capture them. So that, that, that decision by that co those cops is terrible. It's, it's beyond terrible. I couldn't even live with myself if I was sitting out there for 36 minutes and I did nothing. And the first thing, Brian, is it's like you don't know about what tactics are, but once the suspects split up and you have knowledge, there's two suspects, one inside, one with the mother, you intercept that mother and the suspect. That suspect never gets back into that house. And I'm sure that mother would have rather died by a stray police bullet in a shooting than being strangled and raped by that animal she was sitting next to. Yeah, whatever happened and to those daughters be saved. Now are they are they rotting in jail those two? Oh they're they're yes, they're no death penalty because they, they managed to slip away from that and one's having a sex change at our expense. What what is what what happened what happened to this country? Oh, believe me, I, I ask that every day. Uh, uh, Mark, thanks so much. Another reason to get Fox Nation. Uh, 
the Furman Diaries, out for a sixth season. Mark, always great to have you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Hey, Brian, cheer up. <laughs> you got it. one 408 Back with your calls. This is Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Breaking news. Unique opinions. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. New York City has begun offering the vaccine outside of subway stations, but I think they could have picked a better slogan than get shot on the subway a <laughs> uh, little uh, little hits from SNL I guarantee you I bet you this guy Colin Jost and I've never seen him do an interview all I ever see him do is that uh, weekend update I'm sure they're probably looking at him to take over for Fallon don't you think I mean, I don't Jimmy know. Fallon is, is failing so precipitously. But Fallon is so multi-talented, right? Fallon can sing. He does all of those fun little skits. Colin Jost has a really nice smile, and he's married to someone super famous, but he's good at delivering, you know, sort of jokes. But what depth does he have? Well, they'll never give it to Seth Meyers because no. he's, he's awful. But Jimmy Fallon, I mean, he's doing terrible. I don't I mean, who? I don't think they're going to him. beats him every night. Yeah. You know, I think the only one beating Gutfeld is Stephen Colbert, who has just become like a pure political show. Fallon needs to go back to what he's good at. I mean, I haven't, you know, I don't watch, right? It's way too late. But it seems like they're starting to do more fun things again now well, that Trump is out. He's back in studio last week. I okay. saw that thing they put out on Twitter of him walking into the studio, meeting everybody again, going through rehearsal. So he can't do anything without a stage. So he's sitting in his house. I thought it was kind of cool in the beginning. But after a while, it's like he does terrible interviews. Everything is like and you know, and he doesn't ask a question. You were so amazing in that movie. You're amazing, and I can't believe how good you are. It's not a question. I know, but I have been seeing more on social media him doing, like, fun little skits again or different fun That's games where he's celebrities. And so, he's a singer musician. Exactly. So I feel like give him a few months, and, you know, now that he doesn't have the political pressure anymore, maybe he'll be funny again. Well, we'll see. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up but I haven't really given uh, much credence to is this whole thing about Liz Cheney. So we, the Democrats are so desperate because there's no Donald Trump. They want to say Donald Trump's the leader of the party, uh, and Liz Cheney is standing up, and who's going to win this battle? It's not even close. Liz Cheney is an obscure congresswoman with a famous name in Wyoming. She's number three because she was raising great money and had great name value as a true conservative, but she can't take on the president. No one's focused on January 6th outside CNN, and no one really cares that the president would not accept defeat. It's bad. President's going to go and start giving some speeches, but he's extremely popular amongst Republicans. Liz Cheney is not. She's going to continue to make a stand like Adam Kinzinger, who I'm friendly with both these guys, but they're not close to the weight of President Trump. And when, uh, when these guys get on, like Chuck Todd and company, and they start asking questions of people like Dan Crenshaw, he does he's flabbergasted. People think that he doesn't want to answer these questions, but the cool, calm, collected Dan Crenshaw, by the way, never even asked how his eye is. And, you know, Dan's having trouble with this, the one good eye that he had after the explosion um, that he had in the battlefield. Listen to this battle. Cut 20. I understand you guys want to put this behind Chuck, you, but Chuck, he is the leader look. of your party and he doesn't stop talking about this nonsense. Chuck, the only... Look, he, he, he's one of many leaders in the party. He's a former president. We're five months into President Biden's presidency. 
And there is a time to move on. And look, the, 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 you guys in the press love doing this, and, and, I, and I get it, right? <laughs> the, the, the press is largely liberal. They're largely no, pro Democrat. No, 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 no. Don't start that. That, that, of, that is the late look. There's nothing lazier. There's nothing lazier than that. There's a lot of, lot of reasons to keep this alive. I understand what you're trying to appease. There's people in my party that take the bait. I'm not going to take the bait here. I'm not trying I'm not to bait you. Bait I'm trying to. What, what, I'm trying to try to figure out. Looking for why do you appeal? Why, why do you? Why do we sit here and have an, a political party that is basically rallying around this bizarre lie and mythology that the former president is doing? And you guys just want to say, "Hey, pay no attention to this." That, that, that somehow we in the press are bringing that up. It's well, the already, former president. I already, debunk, already debunked the notion. I already debunked the notion that there's that there's no space in the party for that. Remember, Liz won that first election. He was calm. Afterwards, they say, Dan Crenshaw didn't want to answer those questions. He can't believe it. No, no. Because no one's talking about those questions. They only come up because you keep asking about it. Donald Trump feels uh, that he won that election. Fine. Donald Trump's not even tweeting now. He puts out missives. He says it. The real story in our country is the inflation, the gas lines, the ransomware, the border, Israel, Hamas. President Trump, you could be even Don Jr. would say those aren't even in the top 10. So every time a Republican hops on MSNBC or CNN or CBS, they want to talk about January 6th. And Dan is simply saying nobody in Texas is talking about January 6th. They're talking about winning the House, which is going to happen. They're talking about getting the Senate, which is going to happen. Not about January 6th. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. This is Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, where we still got to wear masks. And around the country, heard around the world. Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour, bring us inside Washington uh, and bring us the latest on what's happening there as uh, Joe Biden tries to right his ship after the worst week of his presidency by far. Uh, we'll discuss that, take your calls, as well as find out if there's more to know. But a couple of things. At 1 o'clock today, the president will speak again about the virus, about the mask mandate. I guess they sprung it on everyone kind of quick, but I have no problem with it. To me, you got good news, tell it. Why waste a day? Why waste a moment? There's too much at stake. We've already been tortured for 400 days, 14 months. Why waste any more? But there's much more to talk about than why waste any more time. But I cannot believe how traumatized people are and how political and, and how bad the reputation is of the CDC. They earned it, though. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Israel has made it clear that they need a few more days here. You look yeah. at Prime Minister Netanyahu's interview with John Dickerson yesterday on Face the Nation. I mean, they're making it clear that they are degrading Hamas's military capabilities and they need to keep working at it. So I think we're still probably at least a few days away. Wow. Uh, week two of the latest lethal Hamas-Israel conflict. There was about 100 uh, missiles sent into Israel yesterday, about 50 more by the time I was done with Fox and Friends today. And now they're paying the price big time. The Israeli jets have been relentless. And there's also talk there might even be a ground invasion as they find tunnel after tunnel. Number two. My Republican supporters do not ask me about Trump. They don't ask me about what he said. 
They're not riled up about it. You know what they're asking about? What are we doing about over a quarter million illegal crossings on our border? What about my inflation? What about my savings that are now less valuable because of rising inflation because we're spending money that we don't have? Absolutely. Dan Crenshaw making too much sense for MSNBC and for Chuck Todd. Democrats, Liz Cheney's obsession is nuts. I have news for you. Nobody cares. This party is raising money. This party is capitalizing on the momentum from the Biden blunders and on track to take back the House. And they have a plan, a plan to take back the Senate. Number one. The CDC announced that fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks or socially distance, except if you go to most places. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It's nuts. Take it off and keep it off. Why? Because if you're vaccinated, you don't need it. If you're not vaccinated, you already know the risk. That's my advice to the media and everybody else. Now, all of a sudden, you don't want to follow the science when the science says, turn the corner, get back to work. And that's the problem. So let's get started. So as I mentioned at the bottom of the hour, it'll be Brett Baer, and I'll go into this. But it was pretty clear. And from the series of interviews, uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who's who's the director of the CDC, was making all the rounds. Right away, she gets questioned about why is she doing this? Why are you lifting the mask mandate? I'm just going to take a step back. As a proud non-scientist doctor, if you have the vaccine, you're not going to get it. If you have the vaccine, you're not going to spread it. There's always a chance, tiny, tiny chance. If you're a kid, you're not going to get it. You're not going to spread it. If you're a kid at school, the teachers have been vaccinated. Everybody listening to me right now has an opportunity to get a vaccine. So we reached that point. You're making your decision. 37%, according to the New York Times, have been fully vaccinated. About 50% have gotten at least one shot. All right. Now you're going to open up to 12 to 17-year-olds. Some college is going to mandate, private college is going to mandate you, you get the shot ahead of time. The number is going to go up again. A lot of people are suffering. Our numbers are going down. They're going down in 49 of 50 states. That's why they said what they said. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, cut one. And now we have science um, that has really evolved just even in the last week and a paper that was published as recently as Friday that demonstrates that people who ha are vaccinated are protected, that they are, this vaccine is working in the real world just as it did in the clinical trials, that it's working against the variants, and that um, if you get an asymptomatic infection after you've had the vaccine, that you really can't give it to somebody else. So really just in the last two weeks, we've had a lot of evolving science. But do I think they moved up the announcement because President Biden was having a terrible week? Inflation going up, gas prices going through the roof, the ransomware and the pipeline from fantastically bad news at the border. 22,000 unaccompanied minors been scattered through the cost of billions of dollars in our budget. Nobody seems to have a hold of it. Get this, only 7% of the latest border crossings in April were from the Triangle countries, who's evidently going to get a visit from the vice president sometime in June. Most are coming from beyond the Triangle countries, from Venezuela, Brazil, Haiti. Do you believe this? So with all this terrible news going on, Israel and, and Hamas and the president going, not understanding what needs to be done to stop it or even have a strategy to attack it, they make these rules. So they quickly moved it up. But it doesn't mean it's not true. So listen to the governor of Nebraska. He says this, Governor Ricketts, I found out about it in the news, just like the public did. We really need to see better communication from the Biden administration, better communication from the CDC. I, I don't know why they didn't just call and meet with the governors first. Let it leak out if it has to. Make the formal announcement in the Rose Garden like you did. 
The New Hampshire governor, Republican too, Chris Sununu, due to the inconsistent, convoluted, ever-changing guidance from President Biden's CDC, the confusion in business and schools across the country is understandable. Here in New Hampshire, they are fully phased out. We have fully phased out restrictions a week ago. So we already provided businesses a maximum flexibility how they can choose to handle the latest guidance from the CDC. He's just pointing out how bad it is. Now, I have no idea why the CDC, after a year and a half with this virus, still can't get it together to communicate to the governors. Because remember, it was Donald Trump coming out, running press conferences, and deciding policy that was the problem. Clearly, they owe President Trump an apology. And they're giving President Biden a complete pass. Major businesses lifting sanctions, lifting mass, lifting mass mandates today. Walmart, Costco, Publix, Starbucks, legendary restaurant brands, Hershey Park, Disney World, Universal, and Costco, did I say that? And Trader Joe's. So this is all good news, you would think. Except for when people have to question the doctor, who's getting a total pass up to this point, until she gave us good news. Listen to Chuck Tata, Meet the Press, relentlessly pound this woman. Cut seven. And that's the thing. I, I, again, I go back to... The local officials are the ones that have had to enforce these mask mandates. And now you're saying, hey, still enforce a mask mandate, but now they're going to sit there and have people say, well, the CDC says I don't have to wear the mask anymore. So you basically, how did you not just pull the rug out from underneath the mayor of Kansas City and everybody else in the country that's trying to manage this? Do you believe this? Why do you have to worry about enforcement? Why? You've lifted the mask mandate. So you want, well, you want to decide who's vaccinated who's not vaccinated. Hey, Chuck, think for a second. If you're not vaccinated and you're walking around the hardware store, the Costco, the, to the local bar, it's up to you. You're the one putting yourself at risk. Maybe you have the antibodies. You don't need the vaccine. If you got the vaccine, by the way, they haven't made this clear. If you, if you had this, you shouldn't really get the vaccine for a few months. So why am I getting the vaccine if I already had it? My antibodies are through the roof. I don't need it. So you can take the risk. It's called freedom of choice. There's plenty of countries you can go to to take that freedom away. Or we could be in our country the last 14 months where we had no freedom. Can't work out without a mask. Can't play sports at all. I mean, these idiots have these. Uh, I read today. I heard today from one of these kids. He's a high school wrestler. They don't let you shake hands with your opponent before a match. But they let you wrestle with the opponent. Well, we can't shake hands. What if you had the virus? Oh, by the way, I got you by the thigh. I'm throwing you on your head. I'm going to press my chin into your back to get you to get your hand over so I can pin you. But if your mask comes off, the referee has to stop the match. Martha Raddatz. Listen to her. I mean, these are supposedly smart people. Cut nine. But COVID is undeniably still a threat. And CDC has consistently shown us scientific evidence that says you are much safer if two people in a room have masks on. So if you are unvaccinated in that room and someone else comes in without a mask, you're not as safe. What are you talking about? COVID is a threat. You're much safer with two masks. Yeah, live your whole life in a bubble. Get that astronaut suit and do it. Go back to your room and stay there. Call Uber Eats and deliver your lunch and dinner. Do your broadcast from your kitchen. Go ahead. That's your life. I'm not living that life. I got vaccinated. I can do anything. Because it's safe. John Dickerson. Cut 10. On the public health messaging of this... It 
one of the well, this kind of caught some people by surprise and uh, because people have been so confused over the course of the last 14 months would it have been better to prepare the way a little bit more for this Gr good news of course for everyone but but because there's been so much confusion over time would it have been better to kind of walk people up to this very uh, kind of head snapping new news what are you talking about what what is you have in other words Never, unless you get a press release from the day before, don't bring us good news by surprise. Why? Because you already wrote your opens. You already books different people. You already plan on doing different things in your, in your, at your company. It's great news. It's almost as if they welcome bad news. Got to wear gloves. Got to go out, wear a, a, a hospital gown everywhere. Uh, you can't uh, you can't go to gyms. You can't go to restaurants. That's the news that you don't need a warning about, but you need a warning about good news. And now the focus here is going to be on the origin of the virus and getting the masks off these kids. Kids should not be wearing these masks. They don't need them. Cut 12. Dr. Jay Bacicharo, he was on, um, he's from Stanford, professor of medicine. He was on with Steve Hilton last night, Cut 12. It's not necessary to keep the teachers safe. The teachers are vaccinated. They're safe already. It's not necessary to keep the kids safe because they're at vanishingly low risk from the disease. Uh, I don't understand this impetus to vaccinate children who are not really at risk. They're not really good uh, spreaders of the disease at all at very high rates. They're just, it's, it seems like it's just punitive and is creating this political situation for no, no purpose and putting a lot of parents in a bind that they don't need to put them in uh, use the vaccines to yeah. save lives okay i i hope everyone's getting this that you're not being reckless if you're not wearing a mask and you got vaccinated you're not being reckless if you choose not to get vaccinated wear a mask if you choose not to wear a mask and not get vaccinated you don't have the antibodies that's still your choice that's where we live our lives every single day how many times you see people and you, you tell them what you did over the weekend they're like yeah i went cliff diving and i jumped out of a plane i went skydiving or i went hiking in an uncharted area okay that's what you choose to do i went to the highest mountain and i went skiing oh and that seems dangerous that's your choice I didn't say it's too dangerous. I am stopping you from doing it. That's just not my judgment. That's not our place. That's not our country. And talking really maddening, for the longest time we hear Governor Cuomo say, I follow the science. I don't listen to President Trump. I follow the science. That's why we have the worst numbers in the entire country. I follow the science. Well, Governor Cuomo gets this news, and he refuses to drop the mask mandate. He was told to follow the science. Dr. Fauci told him to follow the science. He's got a private, personal relationship with Dr. Fauci. And he's not doing it. He gets slammed by the New York Post, and he should. So Governor Cuomo the other day, uh, they slammed him for his refusal to simply accept the CDC guidelines at face value. They went on to say Governor Newsom is only taking lifting the mandate by June 15th. It's the middle of May. Why is he waiting a month? New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is keeping his mandate. Speaker Pelosi is retaining her Musk mask rule on the House floor. Why? What kind of example are you setting? These reek of a bizarre partisan overreaction. Conservatives make a big show of resenting masking as some sort of government excess. In response, liberals are seen to take a break. Uh, they haven't to, uh, liberals seem to have taken mask wearing, uh, in the words of Reason's Robbie Suave, the MAGA hat for Team Blue. But it makes no sense. It, it's everyday lifestyle. MAGA hat is something where as an accessory. A mask infects... Uh, affects who you talk to, what you do, 
um, actually how you breathe. I think overall your health. And now they're, they're, they're lifting it, and you don't want to lift it. The governor wants power. He wants that press conference. He wants the flashbulbs. He wants to walk out there on the podium and say, according to my scientists, it's okay to take the masks off. Well, they beat you to the punch, Governor, and now people are mad at you. Six county executives in New York, some of which are Democrats, wrote you a letter saying, abide by the CDC. He's an embarrassment to the country, yet for some reason, the country's given him a total pass. one 866 A lot of lot to talk about, including the Democrats' obsession with the Liz Cheney feud with President Trump. It just doesn't matter. If I could just quote Meatballs, that great Bill Murray movie, it just doesn't matter. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Your calls next. Then Brett Bear. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to the One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of the Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I think that the Israeli leadership believes that the U.S.-Israeli relationship is in a stronger position today than they would have thought it would have been in the Biden administration. The Israeli leaders went into the Biden administration with some concern, with some apprehension about a serious shift from the approach of the Trump administration. Now, I don't think the Biden administration is going to be anywhere near the uh, Trump administration, but as your previous report noted, there are fissures within the Democratic Party, and there is enormous pressure on the Biden administration from progressives in Congress to take a tougher approach to Israel. And so far, the Biden administration has not done so. So I think the Israeli leadership is uh, sort of pleasantly surprised by the by the softer tone that the administration has taken relative to what they expected. See, I, I'd say this. By the way, their secretary of state's in Denmark. What are you doing in Denmark? Out of all the places to be, we'd be in Denmark. Uh, they sent an envoy over there. I don't even know who that is, uh, being in the Biden administration. And, and I agree with you. Joe Biden seems to be a lot more positive at this moment than Barack Obama ever was with Israel. I mean, for some reason, the minute he became president, he had a huge problem with Netanyahu. Famously, Netanyahu had to leave the Oval Office of Trump, uh, excuse me, President Obama never came down and met with him. He had to leave out the back door where the trash was. And that's the way he was treated. And then in the end, he went out of his way to campaign against Barack Obama, trying to pressure Congress to pass the Iranian deal. He appeared in front of Congress against Barack Obama. And that was Joe Biden, who was vice president at the time. But Biden seems to have a relationship that predates, and I know he does, Barack Obama. And so far, he has not come out against uh, Israel. And he shouldn't. My goodness. Hamas sent 500 rockets into Israel over a dispute over Jerusalem and the expulsion of six Palestinians on the West Bank. They have this all-out war because of that. So, of course, you've got to answer back. It is not Israel's fault they got superior technology and superior missiles and superior support. It's not Israel's support. And I, I'm very fascinated to see that you don't see in the con outside Turkey— uh, and I guess um, uh, Eli Lake and Earl, uh, from Bloomberg said that uh, UAE condemned them, too— you don't see a lot of condemnation of Israel, but when it comes to AOC, uh, Congresswoman Tlaib, uh, all their, uh, Omar, they are condemning Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden's got to watch out what's happening on his left. Now, I wonder this. Maybe he is going to be tough on them. But the fact is, if you read Friday's story in the New York Times, cooperated by 24 former and current aides, advisors to President Biden, 
Evidently, he takes forever to make a decision. He needs to see every single detail and to the point where it's just agonizing to people like Jake Sullivan and others say, hey, Mr. President, you got to make a deal. You got, you know, you got to get, you know, you have to make a decision here, at which time he's been volatile, edgy, and angry. Really fascinated by that. Number one, why would you green light this story? If I'm President Biden, uh, excuse me, uh, don't need the New York Times telling, writing a story about the inside story about my administration, especially when two-thirds of it's bad. And these people did it on the record. Maybe President Biden's lack of condemnation is because he hasn't made a decision yet. Brett Baer's coming up next. I made that decision for sure. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. What do you think of Stefanik? Well, I I think she's wrong. Um, You know, when you have a a former president who did what Donald Trump did, who provoked an attack on our Capitol to try to stop the counting of electoral votes, to try to steal the election, a former president who continues to threaten the democracy in the way that he is. That's just a little of Liz Cheney over the last few days really saying the same thing over and over again. As if the only thing people are talking about is January 6th. Outside CNN and MSNBC was obsessed with it because they don't want to talk about President Biden. And Donald Trump will bring it up. But Donald Trump's really not in the news that much. I mean, the number one story in America, if you ask me, is the border. Number two is inflation. Number three, the gas lines and the ransomware. And then you got what's happening internationally. No one's saying January 6th was terrible and Donald Trump thinks he won the election. That's where Liz Cheney is just way off. Even though I like her, she's tough, smart, and conservative, voted with the president 100% of the time. The other thing I can't believe is that when you see what's happening right now to the country under President Biden, even if you are the biggest Trump critic, you have to say how much better off we would have been had he been president, if you were conservative. And she, she actually would have a hard time rivaling that because she voted with him almost every, every step of the way. Uh, Brett Baird did a great interview, or he had the really first interview, significant interview with her after she uh, got kicked out as the number three in the number three slot, and he joins us now. Brett, welcome back. Hey, how are you, Brett? Hey, Brett, you seem a little exasperated by her repeating the same thing over and over again. Did that surprise you, or did you watch an earlier interview and expect it? Well, you know, I, my interview was the first kind of taking it from the other side, right? And um, for the House Republicans who, um, you know, voted to remove her, this is what they their sense was. And that's where I was coming from. What do you say to someone in the House who said they you really couldn't do that job if you were going to continue to use that platform to uh, go after the former president rightly to point out that the election was not stolen and rightly to point out that um, what happened on January 6 was you know very wrong but as far as conference chair, how could you continue in that? And so she kind of turned it around. And, um, and yeah, there was a, a time where she was saying a lot of the same things again. And when I pointed that out, um, she accused me of, of cutting her off when she was making the case about, you know, how important it was to democracy. But she had made that case 
numerous times in the interview. So, yeah, it, it, we talked about other things, but that was the dominating factor. And for the most part, we, we saw over the weekend is every single Sunday show led with the refraction in the Republican Party, the Civil War, that we need two strong Republican parties and they are falling apart, killing each other. It's just not the case unless you choose to focus on that. Uh, you want to focus on January 6th and Liz Cheney getting kicked out as the number three. Go ahead. But that's just not the major issue in our country. And I think Dan Crenshaw hasn't done many interviews since his eye surgery, which basically took his vision. He's seen just shadows now. But listen to some of this brawling that went on yesterday uh, between him and Chuck Todd. Cut 21. You can't forget that we already had this vote for Liz Cheney. We had this vote, and that vote was directly because of her vote for impeachment. And she won overwhelmingly. The Republican conference said, look, we disagree. And Liz did not apologize. And she said she would not apologize. And she still won that vote overwhelmingly to be a leader in our conference. You can't forget that. You can't gloss over that fact. But what happened after that, and I think the reason that a lot of our colleagues got more frustrated with her is because effectively she kept demanding that everybody else start apologizing. So she refuses to apologize, which is fine. I don't think she should. But then she demands that everybody else does. And I think what Kevin McCarthy was trying to say there was, look, there is disagreement and it's time to move on. We can, we can keep having that fight if we'd like, but what is the point and what is the outcome? When in reality, we need to be talking about the things that American yeah. people actually care about. And that was his point. He went on for about six minutes with the same topic, the same question over and over again. Yeah. And listen, that is... It's important to look back. It's always important to establish what exactly happened. I think it would benefit uh, the country to just do a, you know, a scrub of to make sure everybody understands this is what happened, this is what didn't happen. Um, but there are also big issues facing the country, and for a party that's trying to get back in power, um, their argument is focus that way forward. Um, I think there will be problems with the former president if he continues to put out statements like he is about, you know, stolen election, um, driving his, uh, his, his comments. But I, I think that the Republican Party is focused on how to counter the Biden administration and their policies. And so far, they got a lot to go on. Uh, by far, the uh, worst week of the Biden administration between the ransomware and the pipeline, the gas prices and the gas lines, and what's happening at the border, 22,000 uh, unaccompanied minors. Mayorkas with his ridiculous statement uh, saying that the border is closed. When people, we have video, live video streaming in of, of people just coming into our country by the thousands, and now we understand the majority of which are not even from the Triangle countries now. They're coming from other countries beyond that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a major issue. And it's one in which you're seeing Democrats along the border states uh, turn and stand united with Republicans like, you know, Kirsten Sinema and Mark Kelly, the senators from Arizona, standing with Republican Governor Doug Ducey, uh, saying not enough has been done and you need to uh, deal with this situation. And you're having other Congress people and um, local government officials who are Democrats saying this has got to change. So the fact that that doesn't get coverage anyplace else besides Fox, I think, is really telling. Um, and, you know, it's like this cycle of uh, either avoid some story or, um, you know, 
put more emphasis and, and time on something that they see beneficial. So I'm fascinated by see what's happening at the CDC, fascinated and horrified. So out of nowhere, even though we see the numbers coming out with the vaccine being so effective and once you get it, the chance of getting the virus and spreading the virus is infinitesimal. And even though kids should not be wearing masks because they're not going to get it, they're not going to spread it, and they're certainly not going to have bad outcomes for the most part. There's always a risk in everything. Harder, it, It's more risky having the flu. Kids still go to school without a mask. So yeah, out of nowhere, at the end of the week, we see Joe Biden make it official, the CDC uh, initiating no more masks if you're vaccinated indoor or outdoor, right? So I was stunned to see these questions. Instead of saying, okay, where do we go from here? Isn't this great news? Uh, maybe it'll get more people to get vaccinated. Let's see. Listen to the range of questioning and outrage of Chuck Todd, Martha Raddatz, John Dickerson, about the fact that we're free, cut six. But now they're gonna sit there and have people say, well, the CDC says I don't have to wear the mask anymore. How did you not just pull the rug out from underneath the mayor of Kansas City and everybody else in the country that's trying to manage this? But COVID is undeniably still a threat. And CDC has consistently shown us scientific evidence that says you are much safer if two people in a room have masks on. This kind of caught some people by surprise. And would it have been better to kind of walk people up to this very uh, kind of head-snapping new news? You've seen reporting <laughs> that supposedly even the White House coronavirus team was sort of bl blindsided, if you will, found out very late in the day on Wednesday. Why the rush? Why the rush? Why don't we just, <laughs> it's 14 months is a rush? <laughs> I mean, what are you saying to this, Brett? I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's Tom really Brady, why did you win I mean, so many not... Super Bowls? Did you really need to win that last one? You already had the other six. It's, you know, why the rush? Meanwhile, the other questions are like, why did it take so long? That's the question. Um, really, why did it take so long? Why? You, you had the data. You had all the data about the kids and the transmission in schools and the infinitesimal transmission outside. In fact, not a single case. Trend known to be transmitted from outside walking past somebody, not one, um, in the data. And you knew this, and yet the masks outside, you know, that, why so long? Anyway, I, it is remarkable, and I wonder if there will be, you know, just some fierce resistance, um, even when they say, okay, the pandemic is completely gone. Listen, we have a governor. No. We have a governor in California that said June fifteenth. June fifteenth. We just told you you're ready now. Then we have a governor in Illinois. Uh, the mask mandate. We're going to keep it on for now. And the governor in New York says, "I will decide if the science is right." The guy that's talking about casting himself in a movie with Anthony Fauci. That's how close they are. Well, Fauci came out and said, "Take the mask off inside and outside if you're vaccinated." He will decide. So now you got a whole power play going on here. It's, it's really uh, confusing. It's political. It's, um, I think, frustrating. And the beneficiaries are governors who have been aggressive following the science specifically, but aggressive in letting the science tell them they can do more things. Brett, do you, do you, have you picked your panel yet tonight? I do have a panel. It's uh, Harold Ford Jr. I've got uh, Trey Gowdy. And Chuck Lane, I believe. Right. Was he upset that I called him out uh, on Friday for not playing the game right? Like when you had me on the panel, 
and I always <laughs> seemed to blow it up. And was he upset I called him out? Because you said, give me tomorrow's headlines, and he pointed out something that's next no, season. No, a football game. Yes. And the, yeah, no, he was not upset, but he understood the uh, the foul that perhaps he there was a, a flag on the field. And maybe he'll pay the price I have. I have not been invited back since I screwed up your Friday game. What was your Friday game again <laughs> that I screwed up? Well, oh, wait, well, you, there were multiple times. Uh, yeah, I screwed up twice, I think. <laughs> winners and losers. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure which one. Uh, winners and but losers. You can come back. Right. I don't think, I think I, you're on every other show, <laughs> but to be on your panel would be that's something I could change my resume for. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll make it happen. Allison, should I believe him? Yeah. Okay. 100%. All right. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so we'll Brett, on calendar. I'm going to watch Brett tonight at six and all over every other show, um, <laughs> especially uh, because Prince Harry doesn't like the first amendment. I think that that's your lead story tonight. <laughs> he, he can't figure hey, it by out. By the way, lead story could be this uh, direct challenge to Roe v. Wade, but it actually could be this mask uh, mess because uh, it's really gaining steam today. So Eric put together the montage. If you want to pay the rights fee, you could buy my question <laughs> montage from the Sunday show. All right, played on the Brian Kilmeade. Show. That's all yeah. I need. Right, and all then right. Eric needs to have some type of remuneration. Uh, thanks, Brett. Appreciate it. <laughs> See ya. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm going to find out there's more need to know more too. Listen and pick up on some things you didn't know before. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. It was reported that Tom Cruise protested the lack of diversity at the Hollywood Foreign Press by returning his three Golden Globe statues, which was tough for him because they were sitting on pretty high shelves. <laughs> All right, that was Little from SNL. Let's find out if there's a need to know even more than that. More to know. I hope I say his name right. UFC fighter Benil Darouche pulled off an impressive upset in the UFC 262 on Saturday. Darouche ranked number seven in the lightweight category, defeated number five Tony Ferguson at the Toyota Center in Texas. Following this hard-fought victory, Ferguson uh, got a unanimous decision, by the way. The Iranian-American mixed martial arts fighter dedicated the tremendous victory to, well, let's let him say it. I want to dedicate this fight to all the people who've been hurt by Marxist ideologies. There are millions of you, and I know it, and uh, it's just a fight. I know it's not much, but I want you to know that I love you, and I understand the pain. I don't completely understand, but I love you, and I, I understand your pain. Darush, who's in a Syrian heritage, lives on a farm in Iran, lived on a farm in Iran, I should say, until he was nine. Then his parents moved to the U.S. Darush began training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu in 07, uh, earning a black belt only in only five years. It made his day, day, UFC debut in 2014. Isn't it amazing? He becomes political. This is a UFC. You know, it is amazing. It's something I just would never think that you'd hear after a fight. <laughs> Next, how about this? Talk about stuff you wouldn't hear. Penn State is replacing traditional student designations such as freshman and sophomore with first year and second year, replacing underclassmen, upperclassmen with lower division and upper division. The governing pronouns such as he, him, hers, replaced with they, them, theirs. Terms such as freshmen are decidedly male-centric, uh, male which the terms such as upperclassmen can be interpreted as both sexist and classist. Do you believe this? It is so 
ridiculous. Imagine sending your school to Penn State for how many tens of thousand dollars a year, and this is this is what they're focusing on. You see the junior and seniors. Also, it's parallel to Western male father-son naming conventions. What? I don't even know what that means. Why is? I never thought Penn State was like that. I would agree. It is. It's horrifying. Next, Matthew McConaughey is making a, making calls around to his friends, wondering if he should actually run for governor. McConaughey has been talking to deep-pocketed moderate Republicans and business leaders in the Lone Star State. He's 51. He's very popular, great actor. He did his book tour. He came, his book became a bestseller instantly. It was a great book. Uh, but Governor Greg Abbott, who's planning to seek re-election next year, is already facing a likely primary challenge from Senator Dan Huffiness. I never heard of him. There's speculation that Lincoln, the Lincoln lawyer, which is the name of one of these um, movies he did, might not run as a candidate in the party of Lincoln. There's speculation he could dive into politics as a Democrat or independent. I get the sense he's a Democrat. I don't get the sense he's, a, he's you know, you can tell me he's going to be tough on the border. You're going to no. tell me he's going to push back. I think he's going to fit more in Austin than you would like. I think he's going to be more in the middle. I feel like he might go the independent route, right? Because if you got tries to go in the Democratic primary, I mean, you're going to get someone like Beto that's going to just, you know, be way left. And he's not going to get it. At the same time, I mean, when you've talked to other people in Texas, they sort of avoided a, the question or have said, what, that he should stick to acting and not look into politics, Yeah, right? George P., Dallas Morning News and University of Texas, Tyler found 45% of Texans would pick him, while 33% would pick Abbott. 56% of Republicans would vote for Abbott, while 30% would vote for McConaughey. Well, the thing is, too, you need to see them in a debate. You have to see how well he truly grasps the issues. I mean, he does seem like a very level-headed, wise guy, like, compared to other actors in Hollywood. But when you dive into the actual policy and governing, that's apples and oranges. It would be it would be so terrible uh, for him to run if he wins for Republicans. He'll begin to loosen up and bring more liberals into that area. It would be, and if you, don't, if you lose Texas, you lose the country. Next, CNN is cutting ties with a freelancer who tweeted praise for Hitler. I wonder why. The CNN contributor reportedly tweeted praise for Hitler on Sunday amid the ongoing hostilities with Israel and Hamas. In a since-deleted tweet, this guy's name is Adil Raja, a journalist based out of Pakistan. The world today needs a Hitler. Raja was freelancing for CNN in 2013, said something similar after learning off, uh, in light of these abhorrent statements, we will no longer, CNN says they will no longer have him serve in any capacity. Uh, he's never been a CNN employer or freelancer, but some of the things he said in the past were anti-Semitic. Correct, but he was also not an employee. They said goodbye to him. Next, small Republican New York County has been one of the highest vax rates. Congratulations to Hamilton County residents in New York. They have 65% of their residents have been vaccinated, way better than the 36% of the rest of the country that's been vaccinated, and 41% in the state. The rates fly in the face of the polls that say Republicans are less willing to get the shot. It's a very conservative area. Next, Chicago Cubs are offering free hot dogs and sodas if you get vaccinated. Who would, would that put you over the top? No, all these free things are ridiculous. And most of them are the biggest, you know, issue if you have co or about COVID is if you're overweight. It's like, let's offer you donuts and hot dogs and soda. It's and get you overweight. The vaccination site is at the American Airlines Arena, March, May 17th to the 19th from 8 to 8. Uh, and that should have to, our mayor here is going to give you free fries. Hey, uh, make sure you uh, listen to the show and get the podcast, BrianKillmeatShow.com. And if you want to pre-order a great book, The President of the Freedom Fighter, I'm putting out in November. You can pre-order now and have it at your doorstep first week in November about Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, how they combined efforts to help win the Civil War. You remember that. Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep it here. Doctrination. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.